John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I'll be reviewing the latest entry in the Mission Impossible series, Mission Impossible Fallout, the surprisingly well-received Teen Titans Go! to the movies, uh, the latest entry in the Studio Ghibli Fest for 2018, Princess Mononoke, and a quick Netflix and chat about the movie Coherence. So, let's get started. What's done is done when we say it's done. Showtime. Oh my god. So I don't actually remember how much I like Rogue Nation. I just know that these recent string of Mission Impossible movies have been the best in the entire series. Rogue Nation is still my favorite. And this one is second favorite for me, personally, but is still a damn good action movie. Um, This is actually following in continuity with the events of Rogue Nation. Like, what happened in Rogue Nation ties into the events of this movie. And it's it's a nice uh, sort of... Uh, even sort of flow between like if you're continuing to watch these movies in succession you're like oh oh they're continuing this thread it's like great great it's a great it's probably um it's probably like right up there with uh some of the marvel and even uh some of i can't think of another really good one recently but like continuity wise this series has got it yes this is how you do it and um yeah so this time around ethan hunt has to team up with Henry Cavill, who is a CIA assassin, to try and bring down the remnants of Rogue Nation of that Rogue Nation, the syndicate from last movie. And they do so by trying to infiltrate a deal between uh, an arms dealer and for um, the former head of that of the syndicate. I believe the syndicate. I think it's what they were called in Rogue Nation. But yeah, Sean Harris returns. I kept thinking he was. Um, uh, Charto Copley. <laughs> That's how I keep... Conf- I think it's the accent and the look. His face and that accent remind me exactly of Charto Copley. But yeah, Sean Harris returns as... Um, ah, crap, what's his name? Uh, uh, but the guy from Rogue Nation who led the syndicate. Here. Um, also, Rebecca Ferguson is back. She returns as the MI5 agent. Um, Ilsa, but, uh, Sean Harris, Lane, who is in charge of, uh, yeah, the syndicate, I was right. So, yeah, um, most of the teamers returned, Ving Rhames is back, um, Simon Pegg is back, Ilsa has returned, and, uh, they even bring, managed to incorporate Michelle Monaghan again, again, <laughs> uh, Monaghan again, but, uh, yeah, Michelle Monaghan, uh, returns as Ethan's wife, uh, let me find it. That's Mission Impossible 3. There you go, Fallout. Uh, Julia, Julia. So yeah, Julia's back. Uh, and she plays a part in this in the plot of this movie. Uh, whereas she was more of like, an, like a, a reference character and a cameo in uh, Rogue Nation. Here she actually play, you know, has a role to play. Uh, but yeah, basically, as part of trying to after the after the fallout of uh, the arrest of the head of the syndicate, the remaining members have gone on to try and continue his dream, and in doing so, 
uh, they 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 make a deal with an arms dealer played by Vanessa Kirby, who uh, to, in order to release their former leader Solomon, and uh, well Solomon Lane, and it's it's and it's it's uh, I will say this: uh, the mystery wasn't too hard to figure out. Uh, like with the Equalizer, uh, some, the mystery is not as clever as it thinks it is. That being said, everything else in this movie is dynamite. Like for me, maybe you, maybe if you haven't seen so many mystery like political thrillers, you won't be able to figure it out. But I think they kind of hit it on the nose. They could have been more subtle about it. That also goes with uh, casting, <laughs> who they cast as what. But uh, yeah, the mystery wasn't as good. As some of the other Mission Impossible movies, but at the same time, it's not a mystery movie. It's a political and action thriller. So what works here is, once again, the stunts. Cruz puts everything into his stunt work, and it shows on screen. It is phenomenal to watch. I mean, someone pointed out uh, when I shared my uh, review, like my Letterboxd and my uh, Stardust reviews that they can't get into... Um, or maybe it was in one of my groups, but they can't get into the Mission Impossible movies because they don't see Ethan Hunt. They only see Tom Cruise. And yeah, Tom Cruise is not that great of an actor, but he is a great stuntman, and I will say that much. Um, Cavill is okay. Uh, he's better here than a Superman, but that's not saying much. Uh, Angela Bassett is great for, uh, for her extended cameo. Sadly, she's not in it as much. Everyone else is solid. Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rhames. They're all good. Sean Harris is good. Vanessa Kirby is a great new addition. Um, Alec Baldwin is great returning as the secretary. As the secretary, they do have Wolf Blitzer cameo for a, for a funny for a bit. Uh, you'll see uh, you'll see that, but he is actually listed in the cast. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's a, it's a solid new entry in the Mission Impossible series. I think it's a great follow up to this new thread they've been going down. And I'm interested to see what they do for Mission Impossible 7. Yeah, this is set, this is 6. So for the, whatever the next one is, I'm very curious how they plan to follow this up because McQuarrie has been doing a great job. Um, I still prefer Rogue Nation as my favorite Mission Impossible movie. That one I could watch and repeat, no problem. But Macquarie with Rogue Nation and with, and especially with this one have has gone to prove he, he he can handle this franchise. He's good here. So I'm curious if he's gonna lead the next movie or what's gonna happen with it. But for what for what for what we got, it's really good. This is solid. I I would imagine this would be in the top ten of a lot of people's movies this year. This is genuinely a great blockbuster movie and if you have the chance and this is the kind of movie you're into go for it because it is it is still showcasing how Mission Impossible has gone from being nothing like its uh, original series counterpart it's or it's or, you know the original series to trying a lot to be more like that original series under Macquarie especially they've kind of brought more of what uh, what worked about that original TV series into this movie so, I'm, I highly recommend you go out and see this. The whole world will be under my control. <laughs> Destroy them. How big is your army? A hundred thousand. Halt for the mighty elite. <laughs> watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Do this. It's always been more than a music. You got it weights on the back of my cruise ship. Look, watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. 
We're taking you down. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? you going to fart on me? You want to have a dance-off? You're going to annoy me to death with your waffles? Teen Titans go to the movies. Because if Aquaman can get a movie, anyone can. You know what? Golf claps for Teen Titans Go. Not full-on applause, just simple golf claps because they did they did all right. Uh, as far as the TV show goes, it is still kind of the cloying, obnoxious sense of humor that you see in some kids' shows. It reminds me a lot of Johnny Test, and anything that reminds me of Johnny Test is not a good thing. So the fact the fact that we got a solid DC kids movie out of this, not. Lego Batman levels of good. That one was really good. But for what we got, I'm surprised we, it was this good. Um, the premise this time is it's a parody. Uh, it's, well, it's, a, it's more of a satire, not a full-on parody. But they parody the superhero film industry. So Robin won't get a movie because they don't take him seriously. And so instead they'll get a bunch of stuff related to Batman getting its own movie. And... Um, but and so and the premise of the movie is Robin wants to do everything he can to be taken seriously, and he sees that as getting an arch nemesis in the form of Deathstroke, the Terminator. Only much like in the TV series from the two thousands, he is he is na- known as Slade because his name is Slade Wilson. Uh, so yeah, they don't they refer to Deadpool, but they don't refer to him as Deathstroke, the Terminator, because I guess people who are familiar with Titans know him as Slade. But he's also already been Deathstroke on Arrow and referenced in the DCEU. So, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea who, who decides these things. Maybe it was intended just to be a reference. I feel like if they there's a bit they do where it's like superhero villain names, arch nemesis names are fun to say off the tongue. I feel like Deathstroke would be way better than Slade. Uh, but that's just me. Um, for what it's worth, uh, yeah, it is, it is good. And I will say that, uh, Will Arnett, I did not expect to see him play two DC characters in, within like a two year span. Um, because last year he was reprised his role as Batman for Lego Batman. And here he is Deathstroke the Terminator. (laughs) It's crazy to think of Will Arnett as a go-to voice actor for superheroes, it's it's crazy to think. I mean, it's, he's got the voice for it, so I'm cool with it. It's just I I never saw it coming. Um, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second, but yeah, it's the stuff that is surrounding the Titans is fine. Like there's a there's a musical number involving Michael Bolton, which is all I'll say, uh, which actually is kind of fun. One of the better musical numbers I've seen from the show. Uh, they do acknowledge uh, the crap from the show that gets the most of it, but at the same time, it's still everything is done in the in the style of the current show. So it doesn't alienate its current audience, but it does enough to change it up to make it more appealing to a wider audience, which I think is good. Um, yeah, so Robin and the and the Titans uh, want to try and get an arch nemesis, and they do so with Slade. But then, it, it, like all of it plays, it plays a part according to the, according to his ultimate plan, and it's it's fun. It's a solid, it's a solid superhero movie. I'll say that much. Like 
That's probably one of the better. It's definitely one of the better DC movies to come out. Uh, Lego Batman is probably the best best DC movie to come out since The Dark Knight. And I still have to rewatch The Dark Knight and see if it still holds up. But this is this is right up there with like right behind Wonder Woman in terms of the DC uh, in terms of DC movies. Because it, I, I, and I'm I'm as shocked as you are to say that because I did not expect this to be that good. And it is. It is genuinely that good. So, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's actually pretty good. Um, trying to think of what else there's. Like, one, and, of course, there's also the other cast. Lil Yachty and Halsey as Green Lantern and Super... Green, Lan- Green Lantern and Super... And Superwoman. And Wonder Woman. They're okay. They're not in it enough to really be cloying. And it was only done for the soundtrack, which I, I hate stunts like that. It's like casting Rihanna in Home because you wanted Rihanna on the soundtrack. Like, you don't need to cast singers as voice actors. It's fine. What, that, that shouldn't be a stipulation in the contract. You're a singer. You're not a voice actor. We don't need you in the movie. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm still not going to go watch the new show because it's just not my thing. But for what it's worth, this was a fine movie. Uh, jokes were hit or miss. You know, some some really floundered there, but some were pretty solid. And there is some great anime. Like, the, there's a bit where they parody the Lion King of all things, which I thought it's been, it's been it's been over thirty years. No, just twenty. It's just been twenty years. But even so, it's been twenty years since the Lion King, and we're still doing parodies of it. That feels that feels like that feels weak. Like. Yeah, I know it's iconic, but how many times can you parody something before the uh, impact loses it? However, the animation for that bit was fine. Uh, animation during some of the musical numbers are great. There's a whole bit where it's like felt animation. So, I mean, it, it plays around with animation, which I like a lot. So, that's got that going for it. The only thing I will say is uh, there is a mid credit stinger that ties into the O4 series that people love. And Tara Strong has gone on record saying if this does well, they will try to bring back the 04 series for one more season. And all I have to say to that is, it is not a hostage to be negotiated with. You don't, you either do it or you don't. Don't try to hold it hostage by saying, hey, you better support our new movie or the 04 season's going to get it. No, you don't do that. That's stupid. Either you do it or you don't. And the demand is there, so you can do it on Netflix, on Hulu. Uh, you know, you, there's any number of ways for you to showcase that. Le- like, hell, I would buy it more as a, he, hey, if you want to check out the last season of the 014 Titans, you better try out DC Universe, that... Um, that streaming platform where they're doing the act where the live action Titans are going, where it's just ludicrously bad. Um, just all just downright awful, awful stuff. Not the effects so much. The effects are TV grade. That's fine. The writing is terrible. It is just absolutely atrocious, especially the bit with Robin. It's so try hard like that stuff. Like if you wanted to make me think Teen Titans go is good. You showed me, you showed me Titans. Yeah, 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 nah, nah. Teen Titans Go is better than that. I'll say that much. But yeah, you can just say, hey, it's exclusively on DC Universe. Companies do that all the time. 
But saying, you better pay us money to see the thing you don't like in order to get the thing you do like is is stupid and is not a tactic you should employ like you're a mom. You don't get your pudding if you don't have any meat. Which is what this is more like saying, you better eat your raw sewage or else you won't get your pork chop. No, screw that noise. Either you do it. I would be fine if they just did it as a means to promote their platform. I would understand that. What I don't like is you better pay money to this thing you don't like in order to get the thing you do like. Like, if you get DC Universe, that means you'll have probably other stuff there. Maybe they'll put the Tim, um, Bruce Tim uh, era animated stuff on there. There's probably going to be stuff to pad out the streaming service. So I can understand that. But, yeah, I mean, you know, using the, hey, get all of the Teen Titans series plus the new final season on, the, on this new app. I get that. That's a selling point. Saying, pay money to see this thing, to see this one movie that you don't really, for the show you don't really like, in order to get the thing you do really like, is cheap and tawdry. And you should be better than that, Warner Brothers or whomever, Cartoon Network, whoever is, whosoever stupid marketing stunt idea was, come on, you're better than that. Uh, that being said, don't try to see this movie in order to get the new, to get more of the 04 Titans. See this movie if it interests you. Period. You don't need to be, you don't need to play into their game, their stupid game. It's not, they, they have the means to do it. They know the demand is out there. They're just exploiting you at that point. Screw that. Jillian Anderson, Billy Crudup, Claire Danes, Minnie Driver, Jada Pinkett Smith, and Billy Bob Thornton. You cannot alter your fate, however. You can rise to meet it if you choose. Princess Mononoke. I am a bad film fan. I know this. I am very much aware of this. For somebody who loves movies so much, and especially somebody who touts the touts and praise upon Ghibli as much as I do, the fact that it took me until almost 30 to finally see Princess Mononoke, yes, that is entirely my fault. With that being said, holy cow, this is, this is amazing. This is... Like, top ten of my favorite movies of all time, amazing. It really, it, it's arguably the best. Like, in terms of animation, uh, Spirit of the Way is the best. In terms of storytelling, Mononoke is the best. Because, hells yeah, baby. This is right up for me. This is right up my alley. This is, this is what I want. Uh, so, yeah. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably have already seen Princess Mononoke, so you know how good it is. But let me just go. This is let me just go go ahead with this review. Yeah, the whole idea of the the event these events that are all nebulously gray, like the stuff with Lady Aboshi and how she's genuinely doing good for the brothels and for the lepers and helping protect. The people that are subjugated by the various samurais out there around, you know, around the area. Lady Eboshi is not a villain. She's an antagonist. She's not a villain. She is 
she is doing right by her people. What she is doing is wrong. Why she is doing it is right. And that's that's just that's the kind of stuff you should you should be seeing from these sorts of environmental movies where it's like what you're doing is wrong and then you showcase why you're doing it. You see how much good you're doing and that's and and you try to be like but what you're doing is wrong but why I'm doing it is right. But we still need to try and stop you from doing the wrong. There are other ways around this. And that's what it all comes down to. And that's just, that's just good writing. That's just great writing altogether. Whether it's, I don't know if part of that was part of the dub translation. If they rewrote some things. But from what I could tell, yeah, that's, that's exactly what exactly, what happened in the dub is probably just what happened in the original version. And it's good. Speaking of the dub... The dub cast is phenomenal in this. Uh, I will say Billy Crudup and Claire Danes give some flat line deliveries from time to time. But for the most part, everyone... Minnie Driver as Lady Eboshi is phenomenal. Gillian Anderson as Moro the Wolf Goddess. She's great. Um, Keith David is in here as both the narrator and the old pig leader of the pig... pig uh, leader of the boar tribe. He is phenomenal. You hear John DiMaggio's voice a time and again. His, main, his biggest character is... Uh, Lady Boshi's uh, underling. I forget his name. Let me see. Uh, do they give him a name in the credits? John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio. Gonza. Yeah. He plus he, you hear his voice uh, in other parts. Billy Bob Thornton is solid as Jigo. Uh, Kuroku. Uh, okay, so that was minor thing. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Early role for Jada Pinkett Smith before she really blew up. As Toki, the uh, kind of m- most prominent of the br- of of the women in the brothels and who ran the ran the forge, she is great. Corey Burton is in here, uh, a, you know, legendary voice actor Corey Burton. Tara Strong is in here as multiple women. Debbie Derryberry is in here as multiple women. Um, who else did I recognize from the voice cast? Uh, come on, give me something. Sherry Lynn, I don't... Tress McNeil, that's the other one. Tress McNeil's in this. Pamela Adlon is in this. Apparently there's a guy named Dwight Schultz as a voice actor. Uh, So yeah, the voice cast for this American dub is phenomenal. It is... It really is one of the best... It's not the best of their voice casts, but it is... It is just iconic in... uh, Plus, not to mention the fact that Neil freaking Gaiman... Adapted the mo- adapted for the dub. He translated and wrote the dub script. The 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 the, the, the odds that all of these things. Di- you know, I think it was originally Disney uh, as part of Miramax. Uh, no, Miramax was part of the Weinstein's. I think, but whoever was in charge of the dubbing at a uh, dubbing at this point in time managed to get these all these great voice actors, both um, both the uh, traditional voice actors who mainly do voiceover work and the and the and the main like Hollywood actors to do the voiceover work. Got Neil Gaiman to write the dub script, and it just all works. It's so amazing. I really want to try the find the. The, the original version, the subtitled version, see if I like it more. But from what I saw, it is just spectacular. This is truly in my top ten favorite movies of all time. I may have to update that list. What was my list before? 
Hey, buddy. I hear ya. Uh, where's my top 100? I had a top 100. Um, let me, let me search my notes for it. 100 favorite movies. Secret and Them, Land Before Time, An American Tale, Avengers, Pacific Rim, Dread. I would drop American Tale further down. Ooh. 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 Would I, though? Would I, though? Yeah, I think I would. I think I would drop it further down, maybe towards number 10. Uh, And then I would put uh, Mononoke there behind Land Before Time. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I like it more than the Avengers. I like it more than Pacific Rim and Dread. Those, those, you know, that stuff is still in there. But I think I would drop American Tale a bit further down the list in retrospect. No, I'll keep it as it is. I would just plop in um, Mononoke there behind uh, Land Before Time. So actually, Princess Mononoke is actually at the bottom of my top five movies of all time. There we go. There we go. Sorry, Hoodwinked, you got bumped down. So yeah, Princess Mononoke, Princess Mononoke is my is in my top five favorite movies of all time. It it, I, it genuinely is that good. I cannot recommend this enough. It so I I'm kicking myself for having waiting so long to see it. It just so good. So, and I got to see it on the big screen, which makes me even happier. Uh, so good. So good. So good. So good. So good. So good. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Oh, right. So last week, my Netflix and chat was for Junk Food Cinema to keep in, get to try and get back into their podcast again. And I'm back in 2015 for them, so I've got a long ways to go to catch up. And they'll be coming back, I think, within the next week. I think for next week, because I'm going to do, that's what's next to my Netflix DVD queue. This one is actually for Now Playing Podcast, which I also highly recommend. Uh, They're part of the reason I also got into making a movie review podcast because I love hearing them talk about it. I actually auditioned for them. I never heard back because I don't – they've been so busy that they've never – I don't think they ever actually added more people. Or maybe they did and they were quiet about it. But, yeah, I did, in fact, audition myself for uh, the Now Playing podcast. I never heard back from them, though, so who knows? Maybe I would love to hear back from Arnie and for him to say – and for him to say, oh, yeah – Sure, totally. You can come in on the show. I, I, I would love it. I would love nothing more than to be involved with that. I also submitted my uh, uh, talents uh, uh, unsolicited to freaking uh, Kyle Cogren, uh as part of his joke tweet. But hey, you know what? You, you don't you, you miss all the chances you don't take. So hey, maybe he does. Maybe he is looking for somebody to help him. Out behind the scenes. And I would be happy to. Just saying. Uh, at any rate. This time around. Uh, one of their donors. Have now playing. Suggested they review Coherence. As a patron uh, episode for Podbean. And. 
but their main suggestion was their main reasoning was there's probably not going to they now playing podcast does franchises and long running series. So they're they started a whole Stephen King retrospective that got put on hold. Uh, they've covered the Marvel, DC, James Bond, Mission Impossible, all of the hor- almost all of the horror franchises. In fact, they finally got to Phantasm and Hellraiser last year. So they covered just about every franchise and uh, ongoing series out there. And currently they're going through the video game movies. Uh, I think to tie into first Tomb Raider, then Rampage. And I think there's another one coming up. But yeah, there is a... So they, they will do not only series, but like running themes. Like the Philip K. Dick adaptations. And they've done Martin uh, Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. People suggest they did a Tarantino retrospective. People have suggested they do a Spielberg retrospective. So they've done all kinds of stuff, and there's just still so much to cover, and there's always new stuff being added. So, like, they're seeing stuff in the theaters all the time. And uh, so for this, for this uh, Patreon, sorry, the Patreon, but uh, for this patron uh, suggested episode, uh, the person suggested Coherence, which was a 2013 micro-budget sci-fi uh, mystery movie. And I watched it. I was not impressed. I I feel like it's kind of amateurish. Like that, not a lot of thought was put into it. And when I listened to their episode on it, that's exactly how it turned out. Uh, behind the scenes, um, this was done by Nor- who, uh, an uh, an artist by trade, like actual visual artist. He does storyboard. Like he storyboarded scenes for. Uh, uh, Baby Driver last year, and uh, this is his to date only feature film. It was done in five days without a real script. They did it Judd Apatow style, where everything was improv. The actors in it are all friends of his. So, like, the only real major actor that anybody would recognize is Nicholas Brendan from Buffy. Everyone else is essentially fr- just his friends. And the premise is kind of like Primer. Um, uh, the director, writer-director is James Ward Burkett, B-Y-R-K-I-T. And yeah, this is his only real feature film to date. And it works as an indie movie. I'll say that. It, it, they ha- it has some interesting ideas in it, but it's not a lot of polish. It's very raw. It's uncut, so to speak. And... This is the kind of stuff that you see from indie directors a lot of times. Especially micro-budget indie directors. Where it's all one... Like, the best comparison I would make in terms of how it's set up in and shot a lot is Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. Which he also did with, you know, within, a, I think, like a week or something at his house. The difference there is Much Ado About Nothing had a script. They had some decent camera work in it and was still shot like a traditional movie. This has, like, a Nikon, like, regular camera camera. Not a strict camcorder, not a traditional uh, Hollywood-style camera. Like, an actual just camera you could buy at Best Buy at the time. And they shot it on that, so it definitely feels very cheap-looking. And and I will say, like, I think the biggest problem is, instead of hiring actors, you got your best friends to make a movie. 
and then you decided to re- like if this was made on the fly for fun to really and like as a as like a test demo reel for uh for the for the for like the film festival circuit I would be fine with that but from what I can tell it's actually it wasn't like it wasn't made for it was kind of made as a means of showcasing Burkett's ability as a, like, like he was he had just written Rango. He was a major driving force behind Rango at the time, but Gore Verbinski uh, was the main director for it. And he's actually just, he was friends with Gore Verbinski, and so he had that clout at the time. And then he made this, and it got some buzz. It's still pretty well received, but, it, but nothing came of it. And I think it's because it didn't showcase something more there. Like, here's the thing. First movies are are crucial to how far you'll go. Perfect example. Writer-director behind Nightcrawler went on to make Roman J. Israel Esquire. Roman J. Israel Esquire isn't as well-received, but it's still pretty decent, and Nightcrawler is still one of the best movies to come out of that genre. There's a reason that guy continued to make movies. This is... is like, I, I, like I, it's not a bad movie. It's unpolished. All, all the dialogue is improvised by the, by the people, not the actors. These are just people. Like, I think one of them is a tech person that they got, that they were just friends with. And one of them is, uh, I think, makeup, a makeup artist. And another one is, like, a, 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 an electrician or something. Somebody who works behind the scenes. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not terrible. It's not a bad movie. It's just not a refined movie. And if you have the patience, I guess, for things like that, because, I mean, there are some times where that works in its favor. Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch Project, um, a lot of the stuff from the... Like, Clerks. Uh, some of that stuff feels feels cheap, like it, but it feels like... We're doing this because we only have so much money. This fe- this does this feels like some home video shot by uh, shot by a person and his friends, and it's it really isn't like they uh, I, the people in here aren't good improvers even. It's like it's just so lackadaisical. Like it doesn't really have a a form to it. It has no real like, hard concept of what it wants to say. And I think that's to its detriment. Like, you could do an improv-style story where the dialogue is all improvised. That can be done. But to cram it all into five days where everybody was getting a page a day almost to learn what they're doing for that scene, it was... It's, that's not a good way to make movies, and it shows in the final product. That because that's the thing. Primer is another case of where it's like almost minuscule budget, just probably not over a couple million dollars. In fact, did that list how much it costs to make Primer? Seven thousand dollars in two thousand four to make Primer. It can be done. You know, like a, a Blumhouse prides itself on doing things on smaller budgets. Not micro-budgets, some, but sometimes they can be. Micro-budget is under a million dollars. And 
so, and some people can do great things with no budget. Plenty of people can. A good filmmaker can do anything with with the material he's given, as long as he has an idea of what they're. Well, he if they have an idea of what they want to do, what story they want to tell, what care, what what themes they want to present, and coherence didn't have that. Coherent, like this guy helped write Rango, and he and I'm sure he could have done a good movie. If he gave himself the time, he didn't take the time to iron out everything he wanted to say. Everything was done on the fly, especially since apparently he did it to be a baby being born. It it, it feels so, it feels like he really didn't have any idea what he wanted to do. He just knew I have to do this quick. And I feel like that shows in the final product. I can't recommend you go see it, but you know, because I think I feel like if you wanted this story, because the whole pre- the premise for those who don't know is a comet passes over, and they and the people are trying to figure out what's going on when there's this mystery that unravels about um, uh, quantum physics. They mention they they drop quantum physics like where like they they like they know what they're talking about, but nobody really knows what they're talking. They drop Schrodinger's cat, which has nothing to do with the pro- with with the. Uh, concept of the movie here this has nothing to do with Schrodinger. Schrodinger's cat is about the observer effect this is more to do with like parallel universes and so they're dropping like quantum physics as though they heard, as though they read the wikipedia article on it and that doesn't help either so nobody really knows what they're talking about but they, yeah the whole idea is a comet passes over and things are going weird and people are trying to figure out what's going on it's like an interesting concept but he didn't take the time. If he took a couple of months, even, didn't worry about the baby being born, didn't worry about shooting in under a week, took the time, ironed out what he wanted to do, ironed out the story he wanted to tell, didn't rush it, he could have told a good story and had a good movie. I just don't care. Like, none of these people are interesting on film. They could be very interesting in real life. Presenting them as interesting on film is... Is not he is not done here. They aren't very well done on film. They they did they, they just aren't. And I can't recommend you go see this movie. Like if you wanted the this premise done better, from what I hear, Primer is way better than this movie. Although maybe it isn't. I'll have to check it out myself. But yeah, there are better ways to do um, this sort of mundane meets the supernatural storyline and coherence. Like, I'm not sad that the guy didn't make more movies. Um, I've come to respect Roadside Profits a lot more in retrospect. But this, yeah, this one didn't feel like they was going anywhere. Like, I would be interested to, I would be interested to see how he followed it up. But I'm not, like, sad that he didn't get a, another chance. And hell, he might do another movie down the line. Who knows? He has, he's not dead yet. He could take the time out to do it. But... For what we got, I'm 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 good, man. Like, I I didn't really gain much of anything by watching this movie, so I can't exactly recommend people go see it. So, anyway, uh, we'll be right back uh, for our discussion after this. Did you know Ash's name in Japan is Satoshi after Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri? Did you know Roroni is a neologism created by the original author of the Roroni Kenshin manga? Did you know Godzilla's Japanese name is a portmanteau of gorilla and whale? 
If you want to learn about these subjects and more, listen to Majide, a Westerner's view of Japanese media and culture, available only on the Gumby Cat Network. discussion proper, I did want to get something off my chest, and it's something that took place over the course of this weekend, and actually led me to unfollowing a bunch of people I I, I've been following for a while, um, which is my own, just just because I wanted to get get away from that that conversation for a bit. Um, So basically what happened over the past week is... The Fox shareholders agreed to sell assets from Fox's movie division over to Disney. It's not a merger. It's not a full merger because Fox isn't sharing the IPs that they're getting to di- that, that they sold off. They're full-on selling. They are now the property of the Disney company. And the biggest and there is a problem with that there's a problem with the consolidation of ips there's a problem with the monopolization of the industry there's a reason like the, the, we had this problem before there was antitrust issues with the hollywood and we had this problem already but the rampant corporatization of capitalism in this country has led to this problem arising again and somebody needs to step in to say hold whoa 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 hold your horses you don't need, you know, th- this is entirely unnecessary and dangerous. So, yes, this is a problem. It's, it, and it's hard to say what the ultimate outcome is. I mean, already we've lost, already they're talking about the consolidation uh, being, leading to layoffs because they're closing down redundant studios. So people are, are going to lose jobs because of this. But that was going to happen no matter who it sold to. If it sold to Comcast or Disney or whomever, whoever was, whomever was going to buy these things was going to do this same problem. And it's just a problem within the industry and it needs to be addressed. Where I had issues, where I take umbrage, is this hackneyed joke that got thrown about by the likes of Dan Olson. Uh, formerly Foldable Ideas, uh, Kaiser Neko from Team Four Star, and Matt and Matthew Buck, uh, aka Filmbrain. I saw this three times within an hour on Twitter. H one made the same joke, and it's it's a just a pretentious, snobbish, unnecessary jab at people. What, and what it is, is they were talking about all the problems arising from this buyout. It's not a merger. People specified that. It's not a merger. It's a buyout. And it's Fox's media, me, uh, news media, it, news media, news Inc. News something. Whatever Murdoch's for, uh, News Corp. That's what it is. I knew it was going to come to me. News Corp is selling off the IPs and the rights and most of the studios involved with their film division to focus on news media and television. Specifically, I think they sold off 
um, the, just the 20th century, 21st century Fox movie studio stuff. I think the film, TV and, and like, all the, here, hold on. Better, instead of guessing what's going on, what did, what exactly did Disney buy from Fox? People are still saying merger. It's not a full merger. It, they per, they purchased 21st Century Fox. Um, company assets to Disney won't be involved with, namely, a portfolio of 21st Century Fox's news, sports, and broadcast businesses. Fox News, Fox Business, Fox Broadcasting, Fox Sports, Fox Television Stations, and FS1 to Fox Deporte and the Big Ten Networks. What they do, 21st Century Fox retains all the media assets not transferred to new Fox, including 20th Century Fox film and television studios, home to properties like Avatar and The Simpsons, and certain cable international television businesses, channels like FX and FXX. So, because of this this buyout, because of this deal, Disney owns the rights to the 21st Century Fox studio umbrella, which includes... FX and FXX. Apparently, they also own The Simpsons as part of this. Uh, But like I said, they own Avatar now. It's not just the Marvel properties. People are focusing on the Marvel properties, but it's multiple stuff. Uh, Avatar, which they added to Disney World. It's part of their part of uh, uh, what is it called? King something Kingdom Animal Kingdom. Yeah, Disney's Animal Kingdom has an Avatar thing. That's part of Disney now. Family Guy, American Dad, King of the Hill, Bob Burgers, the Fox Television Animation lineup, Alien and Predator, go to Disney, X-Files, American Horror Story, and It's Always Sunny, go to Disney, Ice Age, Rio, and Blue Sky Studios, now go to Disney. They'll probably be closed, they'll probably be closed down, but that means Disney has the rights to the Peanuts movie. So if that deals, if they, if they transfer the rights from Blue Sky to Disney Studios, we could have Disney produce Peanuts movies. We'll see. Home Alone, Miracle on 34th Street, and The Sound of Music. Planet of the Apes goes to Disney. Fox, search, Fox Searchlights, the uh, indie, indie studio, indie distributor. So, yeah, people are focusing. You know what else that, that, that people aren't talking about that goes to Disney? The original cuts of Star Wars. While Disney owned Lucasfilm, they never owned the rights to the original Star Wars, especially the theatrical cut by... By this, by this buyout, because of this buyout, Disney now finally owns the rights to uh, that it, the, those initial cuts of the Star Wars movies. Once again, that's not to excuse the fact that this this buyout is a dangerous precedent to set. We should not be wor- we should not be allowing this monopolization, this control, especially with what Disney does to IP and copyright. That should this should not be. This is a bad thing. What, 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 but what I'm taught, but the problem I took umbrage with was their, was, was the implication that their joke had. The idea being that, well, Disney now owns the rights to, owns the rights to all these Fox properties. But hey, at least the Marvel fans can get their X-Men and Avengers movie. It is such a pretentious Dick waving in front of people like, oh, look at me. I'm talking about real problems. While you're focusing on your comic book collection, I'm so intelligent. 
It's such a pedantic dick move. I, it's not a funny joke. It's not funny. It's not funny in the slightest. It's, 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 it's just, it's just pretentious dick waving. It's talking, it's me, it's them acting like, oh, look at me. I know better than you, the lay person paying for your Avengers tickets. All you care about is your silly comic book heroes. When there are real problems being faced by this decision, aren't I just the smartest? And seeing that, like, here's the thing. And all of this conversation going on, I saw this pop up numerous times. Multiple times. Even in, even in my Facebook group uh, for the Jimquisition, they were talking about, talking about this problem. Why is he showing up? Yeah, full on block. I, I'm done seeing his face. Just... Even LeBron did it. Just. You're not funny. You're not funny making that. Like, oh, all people care about are their stupid superhero movies. No, we get it's a problem. What the hell are we supposed to do about it, you pretentious twats? I'm just sick of that mentality. That's why I hate talking film with people. Other film people, film buffs, are basically. What's his name from High Fidelity? Uh, Jack Black's character. I, I keep forgetting his name. That's another movie I still need to see. But yeah, Jack Black's character from High Fidelity, if this will ever load. Apparently there's some names in that movie. I did not know that. Barry Judd. All these assholes are Barry Judd, only you replace music with movies. They're the ones talking about, oh, I've seen all the, yo, supporting indie film, which is good. Well, I agree with what you're saying. Stop being a dick about it. Stop being a pretentious, self-aggrandizing, self-masturbatory, self-masturbatory, masturbatory little twat about the whole thing. You're, you're just a, a taint. You're a filthy taint who's got to rub his smell on these things. Yes, this this buyout poses major issues with the current state of Hollywood. It poses big problems that need to be tackled. You being a dick and calling out superhero fans as though it's their fault this is happening is unnecessary and it's just your way of self not self-flagellating. That's that's um that's hurting yourself. It's just your way of jerking off to how smart and concerned you are with film, cinema. It's, it's that film school mentality. And I hate it with a burning passion. I despise that mentality. It's part of the reason I never want to go to film school. Because I would be surrounded by douchebags like that. And I would punch every single one of them in the face. Richard Spencer style. I hate that mentality. It's a... It's, 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 it's not a cancer. Cancer is more nefarious. It's a herpes. 
It's a herpes virus on, on this community. It, it, that's the thing. It's, it's not dangerous like a cancer is. It's not threatening like a cancer is. It's just, it's just, it's just there long enough to be annoying, irritating, take away, detract from your life, and it spreads virally to others. Because that's the thing. You know who hasn't been uh, talking this way about it? You know who brought it up without being a douchebag about it? Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay Ellis has brought it up, uh, I think around the time it initially was announced, she brought it up, and instead of being a complete and utter film school uh, just douchebag about the whole thing, she's just mainly... She's just mainly focused on this is bad, this is bad, and she doesn't point any goddamn fingers at anybody as being the problem. It's just, uh, it really is just such a douche move, and I've seen too many people do it for me to tolerate it. And I'm saying this right here and now. If you make that joke and think you're funny, you're trash. I don't care. You could be the nicest person in the world. In that particular moment, you making that joke, you're trash. Supporting people who make that joke is trash. You don't blame people who are outside the system for the problems inherent within the system. This would be like Dennis from that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail shouting at the other serf while he's being throttled by King Arthur. Oh, this is your fault. Look what you did. This is what you wanted, isn't it? No! No! This isn't... We wanted Avengers and X-Men. We would have been fine with a Fox deal like with Sony. To say that it's our fault that Disney's consolidating IPs in Hollywood... It's like it's is asinine and it's pretentious as all hell. Yes, there are nerd outlets talking about how great it's gonna how interesting and cool and and they're dying to see what happens because of it. Cause that's what they do! That's what they talk about. They don't talk about the main problems inherent within the industry. They know that that's what people want to, want to hear about, and that's why they don't talk about the problems. But they don't blame the people who, are, who care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and superheroes. Why aren't they talking about Star Wars? They aren't making fun of all the people who care... Who, who, what, what was the other thing that came out of this deal? There's another uh, property that Disney got a hold of... Uh, they're not concerned with Disney owning Avatar now. One of the, the currently the highest grossing film of all time. Disney is in, they're not concerned about the, an animation, another animation studio going out of the way because of this. They're not concerned about Planet of the Apes. They, they're not, they're, they only focus on the Marvel stuff because they know that's what get, will get people's attention. They themselves know that's the only reason they're only making references to Marvel. They are making references to the fact that they now own the rights to the original Star Wars trilogy theatrical cuts. They are making reference to the fact that there are plenty of other properties that Disney now has the rights to because of this deal. It's only the Marvel stuff, and it's all directed at the Marvel fans who are anticipating a Fox 
all the Fox properties, X-Men and, and Fantastic Four and all of them coming to the MCU. Because what the hell are they supposed to do with the consolidation and monopolization of Hollywood? That is out of their control. They can vote for pe- they can try and vote for people to pass stronger antitrust laws. They can vote for people to break down the Hollywood uh, monopolies and the corporations that have completely taken over. But they can't do anything about it, about what the corporate executives do, what deals they make. Why are you poking fun at them when they didn't do anything? You pretentious, self-aggrandizing twats. You are trash. You are complete and utter trash and only care about making yourself sound smarter and more important. Yes, this deal is a problem. It raises so many red flags. You do not need to to wave those red flags at the consumer like it's their fault! I, I can't deal with this mentality anymore. It's directly out of that whole film school art, capital A, artiste mentality. It's part of the reason I don't like talking film with other people. Because they aren't just movie watchers. They aren't just fans. They're snobs. They are the cinema snob unironically. And whatever point they wanted to make is lost in them making sure that we know that they are smarter than us. They care about real issues, not silly comic book heroes. Get out of my face with that. You can eat the entirety of my asshole with that notion. It's no wonder I can't, I can't agree with you. Because you come in here just rubbing your taint on everything. Whatever good points you wanted to make, you ruined. Don't, don't come at me with that nonsense. I'm done. I'm done dealing with people like that. I just want to talk about movies, man. I can point out the problems with the industry without blaming it on the consumer like they had any control in it. Sorry I yelled at you folks. I know you're not... This was just me trying to vent. I know the people that I'm actually mad at probably won't even hear this. It, it's just infuriating. The kind of crap I have to witness. The kind of pretension and assholery and just masturbatory self-aggrandizing... I keep repeating these because that's what it is. The only reason they make these kinds of jokes, these kinds of references, is because they want us to know that they care about real issues, man. They aren't about the fluff out there. They don't care about the silly kid stuff. They care about real world problems, man. I'm done with people like that. I'm done dealing with people like that. I I hate it. 
I absolutely hate it, and I want nothing more to do with it. So anybody who's I, I so if I find somebody doing that kind of talk, talking that way, whether I like them or not, Dan Olson makes solid videos. He made good points in his thread. I unsubscribe to FilmBrain because I don't want to deal with that mentality anymore. I could possibly find this kind of stuff talked about in Brad Jones's stuff or in his feed, and if it and if it and if I do, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this mentality anymore. I'm not supporting people who talk like that anymore, who talk down to consumers for the actions of the corporations. That's ludicrous. The fact that they, the fact that you would talk down to people because apparently they don't know as good as well as you do the real world implications. You don't talk down to them. You don't condescend to them. You don't point fingers at them like they're the problem. Because all that does is showcase you as a pretentious twat. And that's all you'll ever be. Plenty of people can make the point without being a twat. You just happen to not be one of them. If I, and if I find people I follow that I used to respect making these kinds of points, making talking this manner, then I'm done. No need to watch Laurent's videos anymore because apparently he's just like them. Just another film school twat making sure we know how smart he is for, for, for making fun of comic book movies and talk, in, in the guise of talking about real problems. Because there are real problems to discuss. But all you'd rather care about is to let us know that you're, that you're above the rest of us when it comes to these things. And guess what? You're not. You're just a tool. That's all you'll ever be. That got harsh, but I needed to get it off my chest. So, with that in mind, uh, let's get into the actual discussion, shall we? Yeah, with Teen Titans Go to the Movies coming out this weekend, I decided to take a look at uh, some other stuff that deserve their own movies. So, with that being said... The Popcorn Junkie presents... The Magnificent Sevens! The top seven cartoons that deserve their own movie. Number seven. Once again, shout out to Ross Bugden Music on YouTube. Bugden. Ross Bugden Music on YouTube for uh, the use of his song The Wild West as a replacement for the actual theme to, Magnif- to the Magnificent Seven for this, uh, for this, for this, um, I don't know what you'd call it. Peace? Portion? Um, I don't know what. Point is, go follow Ross Bugden on YouTube. Uh, I'll give out his channel information at the, ver- at the end of the discussion. Uh, he makes great cinematic style uh, orchestrations. Really good stuff. And uh, for, yeah, this one is uh, cartoons that deserve their own movies. And as part of that, I'm talking about uh, old cartoons from like the 90s and 2000s that I think could have easily been done on the big screen. And first up, number seven, Dino Riders. Any chance to talk about my Dino Riders, I'm gonna do it. Dino Riders, man. People from the future goes back in time to ride dinosaurs with lasers. Why is it taking so long to get the Dino Riders back? 
I need my Dino Riders. Mattel, get on this. Was they Mattel? Were they Mattel? Pretty sure they were Mattel. Somebody get on my Dino Riders. I need it. I need it. Number six. Number six is one that is still kind of a cult classic, but I believe uh, could easily be brought back as an animated movie. Deserved its own movie. It, it, it's, a, it's a dynamite concept. And that is Captain Bucky O'Hare. Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare! Bucky! Captain Bucky O'Hare! Yeah! Never watched it myself, but it, because it was before my time, I believe. When did it come on? I mean, it was, I don't think it was 90s. Another dimension, another time and space. Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. The complete series, yeah. 13 episodes, 1991 to 92. So I would have been a wee babby when this came on. And yes, absolutely yes. Come on, man. But it, once again, anthropomorphic animals in space with laser beams and, and all, st- all kinds of stuff fighting an evil uh, authoritarian regime? Absolute, come on. Bucky O'Hare, a dynamite. Oh my! Who? Okay, who? Who? Who does the Bucky O'Hare theme song in the re, in the relaunch in the reboot? Um, um, um. Foo Fight? No, Foo Fighters. No, nah, not Foo Fighters. Um, um. I, not Imagine Dragons. I hope not. That would be too Coldplay esque. I'm trying to think. Like who's a? You almost want a metal sound to it. Find a find a metal band. Or somebody who can do metal and do like, oh, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. Ninja Sex Party. Hear me out. They would do the, the, the synth and the stuff, that glam metal, that glam rock style. Can't you imagine it though? Seriously, Danny Sexbang singing the Bucky O'Hare theme song. I can hear it in my brain now and I want it to be real. Anyway, yes, Bucky O'Hare could easily adapt to a feature film, uh, lead into its own television series. This, it, it's, and that's the thing. It's something that didn't get its fair shake in its initial run. It could totally come back and under a new under a new guise and either do dream maybe DreamWorks maybe um, I don't know. So, but somebody could Netflix. Could do like an animated show that led into a rebooted mo- rebooted series. This could be, a, but I could I want to see this on the big screen. This this is absolute like anthropomorphic animals doing Star Wars. Of course, like come on, this would be awesome. Yes, Captain Bucky O'Hare, Captain Bucky O'Hare, let's croak some toads. I know these things. Mainly from the death battle episode on him. Just just so you know, I'm not a real fan. Number five. Number five had some TV movies, but once again, it's a concept that could easily work cinematically. Um, and it and could easily work as a Cartoon Network spin-off series movie. You know? Spin-off movie. So I'm surprised nobody tried to do anything with it, but Codename Kids Next Door. This one I was a fan of. I loved 
the concept behind Kids Next Door. It is so wildly creative and unique and could easily be done on the big screen as an animated movie. And the fact that Cartoon Network didn't do anything with it is kind of disappointing. But it was also after the fallout of the Powerpuff Girls movie, so I'm not surprised by it. But it just kind of sucked that it didn't work out. But yeah, once again, Kit secretly Kit, you know, and they've, they've done some TV movies, extended episodes essentially for that. But you could easily do uh, a, another movie, like reboot the franchise, do a next generation of the Kids Next Door at, on the big screen, and then bring it back in a new series. I could absolutely see that happening. And it absolutely should happen because this is such a wonderful concept. I'm surprised it. I'm glad that it ended on a high note and didn't uh, wear out its welcome. But I would love to see it continue on in new iterations. Instead of just the kids in, I believe, Virginia. They was where they were initially set. But talk about the kids from Texas. Talk about the kids from California, from New York. From Seattle, from Canada, from Mexico, from China, from Japan. Do more stuff with these kids next door. Maybe have an ongoing thing where every episode is a new spot in the kids next door uh, organization. Like they travel and help out uh, different... uh, It's a traveling, roving gang of kids next door recruiting new members or something like that. I don't know. You could do something more with this franchise. There's more to be done with it. It's so wonderful. And it absolutely could be done cinematically. And I'm surprised nobody's tried it yet. Maybe they have, and it just never panned out. Well, uh, hopefully somebody can make it happen. Number four. Number four is another cult classic. And, I, and I'm surprised it also hasn't gotten its own movie out of this. Darkwing Duck. In the era of superhero movies, where is their Darkwing Duck movie, Disney? Like... Come on, dudes. It's it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. You're at the forefront of superhero movies. You've got a parody for kids in your library. Do something with it. Darkwing Duck the movie. And it's, it's a parody on The Dark Knight or something like that. I don't know. There are so many possibilities at your disposal, Disney. Come on. Give this to us. I mean, I'm glad that you're bringing him back in the new DuckTales reboot, but we need more than that. Darkwing Duck could absolutely work as a, cinem- as a cinematic experience. You make fun of the movie-making process like Teen Titans Go did. You make fun of, of how serious superhero movies have gotten lately. Uh, you do, you know, there's so many things about superhero movies to parody. You're just leaving it all on the table. Disney, come on! Do something with it. We need this. Do this for us. We need this. You have the means to do it. Please. Please, come on. Limited run and then goes on to your streaming platform down the line. Darkwing Duck movie. It's right there. It's in the, we're in the peak of superhero movie popularity. It's ripe for the picking. Please, I'm begging you. Darkwing Duck movie. Re- I'll take a rebooted series, but... Darkwing Duck movie, man. Number three. Number three is another one that I missed on its initial run. And it's a short-lived show that has a strong uh, cult following. 
once again, same year, 1991. Um, how many? Ep- this one only had 21 episodes, sadly. And that is Hanna Barbera's The Pirates of Dark Water. From what I, I haven't heard a bad thing about this series. So the fact that they have done nothing with it in almost tw- in over 20 years is very disappointing. It, it, like, from what I hear, it, Tim Curry. Tim Curry and Peter Cullen? Sorry. Sorry. I got excited. I saw this. Yes. Come on, my dudes. It, there, you could absolutely bring back Pirates of Dark. I mean, the pirate era had kind of already faded. Pirates have already faded out of popularity again, even though, I mean, like, Pirates of the Caribbean is still making money, but it's not, like, in the public consciousness like it was on the, in the early 2000s. But I can still see a live, a, 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 not a live action, but, like, a, I would love to see an animated Pirates of Dark Water movie. It could, you could easily do it as a way to reboot the series, do it as a way to, like, send off the series, at, you know, show it, showcase it for all the fans who loved it and wanted to see how, wanted to see a proper ending to it. Dark, Pirates of Dark, from every, I have yet to hear anything negative to be said about Pirates of Dark Water. And the fact that no, Hannah Bar, I mean, Hannah Barbera isn't as powerful as they used to be. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I can see why it hasn't happened yet, but... I, I, come on, man! Come on, man! Somebody could somebody could easily pick this up, make a PG movie for it, and put it in theaters. You know, I, maybe put it in like August or something, so so it would, so it wouldn't clash against something bigger at the time. But still, Pirates of Darkwater has a solid enough premise, and it and even though the cult class it doesn't have the cult classic standing of a lot of stuff. If you did something cool with it, people wouldn't care. They would be like, hey, here's this cool thing I didn't know existed. There you go. You already drive up interest in it again. Come on. Pirates of Darkwater movie. I, I'm not the only... I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the series. And I know that people will be dying... People who did would be dying to see you do something with it. I mean, you've got to make it good. But that goes without saying. Number two. Number two is one I have seen. It's a show I've seen. And I know is very well received and well regarded. Uh, it's not; it's bigger than a cult classic because I mean, a lot of people did watch it, and it still gets memed a lot online. It's still a well-made series, and that is the Boondocks. Yep, we're not talking about kitty stuff here. No, we're talking full-on R-rated comedy with the Boondocks and a Boondocks movie. Absolutely, in this era and in the current state of black culture in America. I could absolutely see a Boondocks movie coming out and just just doing its magic all over the place. That's really, really dirty now that I think about it. But my point still stands. A Boondocks movie in this day and age is almost required. We bring back, not only just bring back the Boondocks, give us a Boondocks movie. A Boondocks movie. Boondocks was already had already had a great way to get cinematic with its animation. Add the storyline to it. You could easily bring back the Boondocks. There's there's the possibilities are endless out there. You could I could I could see any number of things happening to bring back the Boondocks and do and doing so initially in a movie form would be perfect. I can't believe I'm saying yeah, like I'm said. Bring back the bo- I mean, number one, bring back the Boondocks. Number two, Boondocks movie. Just saying. 
That's that's it. That's all I'm doing is just saying. Number one. Number one is also fairly obvious, and that would be Gargoyles. Jordan Peele made a reference to making a Gargoyles movie. That would be live action. I'm shocked that Gargoyles didn't have a, a, its own feature film. It, it, it demand Once again, Disney. Why are you doing this to us, Disney? These things. We need them. We need... We, we need them to l- properly live. We we require these things. They are ne- they are necessary to our very existence. Gargoyles, the movie, or the Gargoyles movie, or just Gargoyles and then a subtitle, or just Gargoyles, just Gargoyles as a movie. The point is, bring the Gargoyles TV series, give it cinematic quality animation, big screen. That's all I'm saying. I'm sure we'll get a live action movie at some point. There is still demand for Gargoyle stuff. People love the series. They love the franchise. And they, they are so, they're so thirsty for more. I'm just saying, once again, Gargoyle's the movie. The people demand it, Disney. All you have to do is give it to them. I would be okay with the Jordan Peele one, too, if that ever ends up happening. But Gargoyle's. Animated movie for the big screen. That's all I'm saying. That's just all. That's all this is. It's just me saying. All these things would be absolutely phenomenal for a live, for not even just live action, but a fully animated movie. They could easily blow people out of the water if you did it right and you had the right studio behind it and you didn't try to kitschy it up or something like that. Add in superfluous dance numbers at the end. If you wanted. To you could easily make any of these series into its own animated movie, and it would be phenomenal. And if all the things that finally did get their own animated movie, especially ones that got to the big screen, these ones especially deserved it. So yeah, that's my top seven uh, for cartoons that deserve their own movie. Uh, I say deserved. But they still do deserve their own movie because they are they the the concept behind them, and the and the storytelling that was already done with the series and and the character stuff the characters they created, they are all worthy of film, of the film treatment and the fact that they still haven't yet is is de- is depressing, and maybe they did in a, some other parallel dimension. I certainly would like to see it if, it, if that's the case. So, yeah. Um, those are my top seven. And once again, thank you to Ross Bugden Music for the use of his uh, song, The Wild West. You can find Ross Bugden at, at, at uh, YouTube.com. Uh, he doesn't have a particular... I don't believe he has a particular, like, username. He goes by Ross Bugden Dash Music. Uh, yeah, he has a uh, full-on, like, I'll be trying to pronounce it. Ross Bugden Music. So, Ross Bugden Music. I use the track, uh, The Wild West. Uh, he has all kinds of stuff. Epic, cinematic stuff. He's got, like, um... 
Blade Runner style, like synth driven orchestral stuff, uh, epic synth horror, upbeat jazz, 1924, happy instrumental ukulele. So Ross Bugden has some excellent music. 8 bit dubstep. I can dig that. So yeah, once again, thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of the Wild West for this for for uh, the theme music for the Magnificent Sevens, and uh, go support him on YouTube. Check him out; he is a wonderful musician, and he makes great stuff. And a lot of it is royalty free as long as you uh, as long as you cite him for the music. So absolutely, go support this man. He is an amazing musician. Uh, and with that, we move on down the line for our next segment. That's what it's called, a segment. I studied communications in college, damn it. Uh, So yeah, my next segment. And now the Popcorn Junkie checks in with this week's box office report. We take a look at the box office this weekend. We only had two new releases, so we take a look at how things fared out. Dropping out of the top seven this week are Jurassic World and Skyscraper. They're all the way. They're on the way out, and uh, they had their. They you know they did well enough. Skyscraper wasn't able to make back its make back the money it needed to do to profit, but Jurassic World is doing fine. We'll see another Jurassic movie in the in the next coming years. Hopefully, I'll like the next one better. Apparently, I'm in the minority for uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. More people are tolerant of it than I am. <laughs> anyway, uh, number seven this week is last week's number five: Incredibles two. Uh, nothing more to say there. It's uh, brought in uh, $7 million uh, this weekend, uh, bringing its total domestically up to $572 million, and its global total $3 million away from uh, making a billion dollars. Next weekend, Incredibles 2 will most likely be a billion-dollar movie. Disney's doing just fine, folks. Disney's doing just fine. Congratulations to Incredibles 2. You deserved it. Number six this week is last week's number four, Ant-Man and the Wasp, dropping down, uh, dropping down uh, to $8.4 million this weekend, bringing its domestic total up to 183 and its global total up to $394 million. Uh, it is now currently the highest grossing of the Ant-Man movies domestically. Uh, not when adjusted for inflation, and it's still dragging behind the initial Ant-Man uh, globally. But it did manage to make back its budget and then some, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, they, they may not focus on Ant-Man as much. He may be a supporting character and some other stuff. We'll have to wait and see. Premiering at number five this weekend is Teen Titans Go! to the movies. Uh, that opened up at $10.5 million. Uh, only got an extra million from overseas, meaning its global, to- global box office opening weekend is $11.5 million, million uh, which made back its budget. So if it can double this by next weekend, uh, it'll be considered profitable. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, not the, it's not doing gangbusters. And I think that's why they're trying to lord the uh, 2004 series over people because they know this wasn't going to make back its money. Actually, I'm curious. I'm very curious. Let me look up something real quick. Teen Titans cost $10 million to make, made back 10 its opening weekend. The Powerpuff Girls movie. Powerpuff Girls movie cost $11 million to make 
and opened up it premiered at 2 million only made 11 million back in its final run so technically this is actually doing better than the powerpuff girls movie it made back its money opening weekend whereas powerpuff girls didn't make it back until it's the end of its run so that's an interesting note but I think it's also, but yeah, I, I think part of that is because people were hearing that the 04 series could make a comeback if this did well. So enough people probably did it for that reason. Plenty of people have kids, so they'll take their kids to the movie. Who, who knows why this did better than the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, could be just a difference in time frame. I don't know. Uh, yeah, if Powerpuff Girls came out now, uh, if that movie came out now, it may do better. That came out at like peak edge lord like right before the peak of edge lord superhero movies with like daredevil and uh electra and that whole era of superhero movies it was post spider-man 2 pre-dark knight which is when that which was a pretty dark period in superhero movies dropping down from number three to number four hotel transylvania three bringing in ten and a half million dollars no that's the teen titans go bringing in 12 Point three million dollars, bringing its domestic total up to one hundred nineteen, and its global total up to two hundred eighty-four. This movie's made back its budget, and then some. It's doing perfectly fine. How's it? Do- I still think it's number three in terms of hotel. Yeah, still lagging behind uh, Hotel Transylvania two, which is the highest grossing of the of the of the series. Uh, so I, I, so this movie's doing fine. It's not doing gangbusters, but it's doing fine. Dropping down from number one to number three is The Equalizer 2, which brought in $14 million this weekend, uh, which brings its domestic total up to $64.2 million and its global total up to $70.3 million, which means it just barely made back its budget after two weeks. So this is not doing too hot. People are not clamoring for another Equalizer movie, it looks like. Um, which is sad to say, which is sad because I like this one more than the first one, but... I'm, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a drive for a third Equalizer movie unless Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington do like a quid pro quo sort of thing for Sony. Like, okay, you can make your third Equalizer movie if you do this for us sort of thing. Which is a common, which is commonplace in Hollywood. They have no problem uh, saying, hey, do this big budget thing that we really want to make money on and you can have your little passion project as well. You see that a lot of times. Especially like Spielberg, he loves he he's commonplace doing that. Uh, dropping, staying, staying steadily at number two is Mamma Mia. Here we go again, bringing in fifteen million dollars this weekend, bringing its domestic total up to seventy million and its global total up to one hundred sixty-seven million dollars. Let's see what the breakdown is in the foreign markets. Who's paying the most to see Mamma Mia? Australia's paying five million. Germany's paying five million. Sweden's playing. Sweden's paying three three and a half million. UK, you really like your Mamma Mia, even though it's not very good. Nineteen and a half million dollars from the UK. So, I think they seem to, they seem to be the driving force of the foreign markets. Although there's just a lot of people, plenty of people, uh, breaking over a million dollars to see this. Czech Republic, not Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland. Netherlands, uh, New Zealand, a lot of the a lot of the English uh, Commonwealth countries, 
and a bunch of Scandinavia. Norway, $2 million. Uh, South Africa, $2 million. Spain, $3 million. No, Spain is three million, is $2 million. Sweden is $3.5 million. So a lot of Scandinavian countries are still supporting this movie. Uh, probably because that's where ABBA comes from. And then a lot of the Commonwealth countries are also supporting the movie. So it's doing, it did, it did well enough. It's not making the same money as, um, as the original, which I think, how much was that making by this point? Uh, oh, the showdown. Perfect. By this point, uh, Mamma Mia was making... Well, here, let's take a look at uh, second weekend in, off, in, box, in the box office. Yeah. So let's take a look at the original Mamma Mia week two. Second weekend, it had made uh, $62 million. So it's actually kind of doing better. So we'll see where it is by the end of the run. But people are still clamming for their Mamma Mia. So, you know, have at it. And then premiering at number one is, unsurprisingly, Mission Impossible Fallout. Premiering it with $61.5 million. And combined with its foreign total, uh, foreign gross, it, it opened up at $153.5 million. Just under its budget. So, how did the other, other Mission Impossibles open up? This opened up better than... Uh, Let's see. Open it opened better than uh 3, the first one and 2. Ghost Protocol only opened up at 12 million dollars. Um Rogue Nation opened up at 55, so it is still the highest opening uh for um a Mission Impossible movie. And I'm I'm assuming it's going to have the legs to make it through August. Like, let's take a look at what the big stuff coming out uh, to compete with it is. We've got Darkest Minds, which is young adult. Spy Who Dunked Me is a comedy. The Meg. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Alpha, Mile 22. Uh, I, I doubt we'll be able to keep it up. Um, there isn't really a big action movie to come out until, like, Peppermint. The Predator is probably the biggest contender um, for uh, that slot. What the hell is this? What in the hell is... Michael Moore is doing a sequel to... Oh, God damn it. He's doing a documentary on the Trump election. It's called Fahrenheit 11-9 because that was the day of the election. That's going to be fun. Going to have fun talking about that movie. Hope it's like Dinesh D'Souza's and it does, only opens up at like one theater around me. Because I really don't want to see that. Yeah, speaking of which, Dinesh D'Souza's new movie is coming out next weekend. I really hope I don't have to see it. Really hoping. Anyway. that Yeah, so it's not... It's the highest opening... Uh, it's the highest opening, and it doesn't really have any competition in terms of action movie until The Predator. Like, there's Mile 22, but really, if you're, you already you already know the Mission Impossible series is good. 
Like, why would you trust another Mark Wahlberg movie over a Mission Impossible movie? Like, the only thing going for that Mark Wahlberg movie is Iko Uwais from, um, Uwais? Iko Uwais. Uh, the guy from The Raid. He's in it. And that's the only reason I even care about this movie. Otherwise, it's just another generic Mark Wahlberg action wannabe movie. I see him as a bigger budget Steven Seagal at this point, honestly. But that's just me. Uh, so yeah, that's the box office report for this weekend. And next weekend, I expected a lot more because that's what was lined up. There were like five lined up initially. Hold on, I haven't updated my list. So it so it's not... Um, it's not lined up with uh, the current release schedule. So if I take a look at what I initially had lined up for this weekend, this coming weekend, we had Mile 22 was supposed to come out this weekend and Searching was supposed to come out this weekend. They've moved those later in August. Mile 22 is like mid-August. Searching is uh, the la- second to last weekend of August. So we're actually only down to three major uh, releases uh, this, this weekend. Which uh, leads us into... Coming this summer. It's Trailer Talk. Rated R starts Friday. So like I mentioned, we only have three new, three new releases coming out next weekend. They've managed to even out the schedule so it's not all front-loaded in August. Uh... And the first one to really come up with that, the one I'm honestly most excited about, is another Disney release. And that is the live-action Winnie the Pooh movie, Christopher Robin. Let's take a look. I do like a party. Oh, Rabbit looks pretty good. What should happen if you forget about You see, I was most worried about bringing the, um, the... Even when I'm a hundred... The uh, the dolls that they're based on, bringing those to real life, making them more book accurate. I was really worried about how that would look in live action, and it's not bad. Happening now, right in front of you. What to do? What to do? What to do? What to do? Indeed. This would not work if it wasn't Jim Cummings. The tree I remember was in the countryside, not here in London. There's no opening. I suppose it's where it needs to be. That's a silly explanation. Why, thank you. (laughs) Why are you here? Oh, yes, I need your help. I've lost all of my friends. Let's get to the bottom of this. On August 3rd. Here I come. It would appear that I am stuck. Have you just eaten honey? I have not just eaten honey. I wonder which way. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. Do you? Aww. That's the way I do it. Aw, this is precious. It's you. Played again. Let's go and see if we can find Piglet. I've already stayed far too long. Hello, everyone. So nice to see you all again. Why, thank you. Silly old bear. I was wrong about work. I was wrong about everything, and I've got to get back to my family. Farewell, Christopher Robin. The most beloved characters of all time. Perhaps it's our turn to save Christopher. Aww. Are coming out of the wood. You must be Madeline. Wait, you're the bear of my father's drawings. Yes. Do you know where he is? I do. <laughs> Let's bounce. <laughs> and I into the city. The most preposterous imposter. Look at him. Piglet. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Piglet. Dear, dear. 
Eeyore. Remember being cherry. Tigger. And nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. Christopher Robin. No, Pooh, that's not the <laughs> this is that's just precious. I, I can't wait. Uh, this 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 just looks phenomenal. I really hope it does better than the last Winnie the Pooh movie they did in theaters, because it this this looks so good. This looks better than a lot of the Disney live action stuff. And the August dump is worrying. I hope people go see it. I hope it's good, and then people go see it, because this looks. Go- I hear good things. Like, I hear good things from people. People seem to like it. And it and it looks great, from what I can tell. It looks way better than I imagined it would be. So we'll have to see how it turns out. And then, uh, next up, we've got... Well, uh, what should we do? Young adult or comedy? Which, which, I haven't even heard of The Darkest Mind. So, let's see who's releasing what. Uh, Darkest Mind is coming from 20th Century Fox. Spy Me is coming from Lionsgate. Fox is a bit of a bigger studio. Let's go with them. So then we'll lead, and then we'll end off with Lionsgate. So next up, The Darkest Minds, based on the book of the same name. Let's take a look. Caution: Children at risk. From the producers of from producers of so Stranger Things, not the producers, just some of the producers. And a rival. The government wasn't afraid of what happened to the ones that didn't make it. Well. They were afraid of us. Because the ones that survived. This has very ominous implications to uh, current things going on in society. Yep. Very rare. Among the most powerful. We know. 20th Century Fox presents. We're going to a place where kids can live together on the outside. The only people who would ever help us were us. Whatever happens, don't stop. I'll say this. I'm down for superheroes under any guise. So, X-Men movie in a young adult, based on a young adult novel, I'm willing to give it a shot. And you're smart enough to be hiding I just didn't want you to be afraid of me. The more that I try to control it, the more damage that I do. The, if the, the power effects aren't bad either. The ones who change. Your strengths the way they're meant to be used. We'll change everything. We don't have to stay in darkness. We've survived all of this. Uh oh, Thanos got to her. I will fight for all of us. The Darkest Minds. So, yeah, the worst thing about it is the August release date. That's the one that feels the most ominous because it feels like. It feels like something was wrong. Like they, they, it definitely feels like they don't trust this. But it looks good. It looks fine. Uh, the effects look good. It, we'll see if the storyline meets up to it, or if it'll fall into the same young adult tropes. 
based on the book, you know, whether it's an, a faithful adaptation or not. But I'm willing to give superhero stuff a shot, whether whatever form it's in. Uh, this could be fine. This could be perfectly serviceable. We'll see next weekend. And then lastly, the uh, very, very sadly named, still don't like this title, Spy Who Dumped Me, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon. Let's check it out. In a moment, everyone is going to start shooting. They all want what you've got, and they'll kill each and every one of us until they get it. Oh, my God. Twenty-four hours earlier. What are we doing? Are we gonna sit in the corner all night? It's your birthday. I'm thirty years old. I wear a Hawaiian shirt to work. My boyfriend dumped me in a text. Let's set a shit on fire. Crazy to think that in this movie, Mila Kunis is supposed to be my age. I'm sorry. What? I know you're a spy. It's a long story, and I'm gonna explain everything. It's in your forehead. Some bad people are after me, and now they're after you. Why? If you don't deliver this package to Vienna, a lot of people are gonna die. Do you wanna die having never been to Europe? Or do you wanna go to Europe and die having been to Europe? Why are those my only two options? This August. Is this really happening? Yeah, could you date this spy? Come here, come here. Oh, oh my god. An international terrorist group is buying a series of assassinations. A lot of innocent people are going to die unless we stop them. Would you trust us to help you? Light it up. This is surreal, and I honestly think I'm in shock. Robin, you are incredible, and I want you to own it. Mary Clemens, Kate McKinnon. You have a real instinct for this. I do play a lot of video games. There's nothing basic. This is insane. Have you ever felt so alive? About saving the world. Okay. Because I would die without you, and then we'd both be dead. Hold on! You better work, bitch. Oh, my God. Oh, God! Jesus! What happened? The spy who dumped me. You too? Wow. What? You're the boss, and yet you have not sacrificed one ounce of femininity. That is the Beyonce of the government. <laughs> uh... It's hard to say whether Kate McKinnon will be genuinely funny or cloying. It's hard to say. She definitely, I mean, she throws 100% into every performance, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I do like Mila Kunis. Uh, I think she's funny uh, when given the chance. I don't know. We'll see. I don't like this title. It's definitely a really, it's a dumb title, but yeah, I get what they're going for. So we'll see how the final product turns out, but... Uh, I, I don't have high hopes for it being good this weekend, but who knows? Christopher Robin could be the one that's awful, and this could be the best thing to come out next weekend. We'll see. You can never tell with these things. So, that about does it for this episode, which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast for some ungodly reason, you, can, you are probably listening to us on our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to check out all of our other fine programming, you can do so there. I'm hoping to bring back... Uh, Tragic Missile soon. I've got a bunch of other ideas I want to try out down the line. We should be getting Majide back up and running uh, uh, in a couple of months, hopefully. You can always check out my other podcast, uh, Living in the Stacks, where we do a book club every two weeks and we read we read a book. Uh, we just finished My Antonia, 
And uh, next week is going to be The Princess Bride, surprisingly. So uh, if you want to hear us talk about that, you can do so next week. You can do so next week. And if you want to check out what we thought of some of the other books we read, uh, The Animal Farm by George Orwell, uh, Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula K. Le Guin, um, uh, Lamb, uh, Lamb by uh, Christopher Moore, Julie of the Wolves, and then um, The Looking Glass Wars by Frank Bador. So we cover all of that. In our first five episodes, and then last week we did My Antonia, and next week is going to be The Princess Bride. We've got a bunch of, we got all kinds of, we've got, we've got all kinds of books lined up for you, so be sure to check us out there. Uh, check out Donna's stuff at uh, The Family Business, Once More With Feeling, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, the, all the Snarkast stuff, it's phenomenal. Uh, and share with your friends, you know, if you're listening to, if you're not listening to us on our homepage, and you're listening to us on whatever podcast provider you have, leave a five-star rating and review and let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out. Uh, you can also share us on social media. The social media home of Popcorn Junkie is facebook.com slash popcornjunkie. That's where all the big announcements are. I've been meaning to do... Uh, I completely forgot to do the Patreon uh, plugs this weekend. It's been it's been um, a long weekend for me. Even though there wasn't enough, uh, not for the podcast, but for a lot of other stuff. But yeah, basically this episode, this week I did um, Never Say Never Again for the Munch Along and Man of Steel for the uh, Mega Better movie. So if you want to hear my how I would make a better Man of Steel and, wh- and you want to hear me watch along to uh, Never Say Never Again, you can do so at patreon.com slash popcornjunkie. And I'll give more information on that down the line. Uh, Facebook.com slash popcornjunkie is where the big stuff is. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod. That's where all my regular conversational stuff is. That's where I do the munch, the Twitter munch along and trailer talks, where I talk about a movie as I'm watching it. This week I did Coherence. Um, I, I'm not sure what I'll do for for this next for this coming week, but you can follow me there at Corn Junkie Pod. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Popcorn Junkie Podcast. Uh, I'm still figuring out what all to do with the with the Instagram account to keep it viable, keep more stuff on, coming onto the platform. And if you have any suggestions, let me know. Otherwise, just follow me on Instagram at Popcorn Junkie Podcast. You can also follow me on uh, Stardust. I do like I do reactions to the movies that I'm watching for the show for the for the pop for the podcast. And uh, you can follow me there at Popcorn Junkie. You can also follow other people like Epic Voice Guy, the other internet, John Bailey. He is the pinnacle of this platform. He he is nailing it every single time. Uh, you can follow the Double Toasted Guys, the Schmoes No Guys. Plenty of other people are there on Stardust. Mars Girl is on Stardust as well. She's not too active, but every so often she'll post. She's wonderful. Uh, so if you want to follow a bunch of people and maybe leave some reactions of your own, do so on Stardust and then follow me at Popcorn Junkie. And like I mentioned, on Patreon, uh, I'm doing weekly munch along and make a better movie episodes. And if you want to catch, uh, if you want to listen to those, I have um, uh, the first episode of each available for everybody on Patreon. Otherwise, you can do so uh, specifically if you donate as little as a dollar a month. Um, once again, uh, it's one dollar, five dollar, um, I believe fifteen, twenty-five, and then fifty. If I'm not mistaken, let me double check. And then that takes a bit of a hot second. Okay, 
So if you want to help me out along the way, and as little as a dollar a month, you can do so at patreon.com slash popcornjunkie, and you'll be getting exclusive content only to Patreon and only to the Patreon supporters. So if you, if you have the means to and you're, will, and you're willing to, please do. I would really appreciate it. And once again, down the line, you can, uh, depending on which tier you subscribe to, you can even suggest stuff that would be at the, I believe, $15, $15 a month donation uh donations will receive will be allowed will be allowed to uh suggest content for me down the line so you know keep that in mind if you want to do that so once again thank you for for supporting me either by listening or if you're able to supporting me through patreon and if there's anything else you want to let me know any kind of feedback you want to give if you want to give a rebuttal to my thought to my rant there uh, if you have your own thoughts on the movies i watched this weekend or if you have some thoughts on the upcoming movies this weekend uh, any kind of thing you want to let me know, uh, send that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want, I'll read it out on the air. Otherwise, I'll get back to you uh, as soon as possible. That about does it for this week. Until next time, I'm John Bailey. And I'm sorry for yelling at you guys. I just really needed to get that off my chest. theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nathio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nathio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. And once again, thank you to Ross Bugden Music on YouTube. Look up Ross Bugden Music on YouTube for more of his lovely music. Wait a second. Damn it. Cut this out. I, did, I found a bad trailer again. They keep doing this to me. They keep doing the multiple trailers cut into one video thing for... for ah, damn it. Hold on.